Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is Melina Lee Williams Haas. I deeply appreciate you listening and taking the time to hang out with me. I will be addressing issues of life, the universe, and everything that are often bogged down and mired in shame and grief, and talk about how they can be repackaged to be useful and gorgeous and fucking awesome for you. So, sit back and relax, or, you know what? Sit up and freak out. However, you prefer to listen. Let's go. The first time I was ever placed into rope bondage and suspended, that is completely off of the ground with all of my weight being borne by just the ropes, I lasted for about two minutes. And it was so excruciatingly painful and so uncomfortable, I I just said, well, clearly this is not for me. And then my top, the person I was playing with, was checking in and seeing how I was doing. And when I finally got over myself and my disappointment that after all this work, I, I had to tap out of the scene, he said, it's no problem. I just need more rope. And he left the room, came back a few minutes later with some more rope, retied me, put me back up, and it was wonderful. Thankfully, I had the experience of my first dominant being someone who had and did play with people of all sizes. Now, my experience is unfortunately not the norm. Unfortunately, many, many, many submissive and bottom people come into the scene eager and ready to explore and run face first into someone who manages to convince them somehow that their own shortcomings are the fault of the body of the person they're standing in front of. If you're someone who is curious about kink and BDSM but has no doggone idea where to start, I got you. First off, I'm the co-author of a book called Playing Well with Others, The Guide to Exploring, Navigating, and Discovering the Kink, Leather, and BDSM Relationships. You can find that on Amazon, and I'll put a link in the description. But let's say you want a more personal one-on-one interaction. I got you, fam. Go to thekinkdoula.com. It's T-H-E-K-I-N-K-D-O-U-L-A. You may be familiar with the concept of doulas from childbirth, but what about rebirthing yourself? What about going deep within and uncovering the secrets and wondrous discoveries that maybe, just maybe, have been hiding from you or you've been hiding from yourself for a long time? You want to talk about your secret fetish, your kink? Perhaps just you're curious about how to expand your mind a little bit more into becoming the person you truly want to be. Contact me at thekinkdoula.com and let's see who you can become. Hearing someone say, well, if you're too fat, you just can't be suspended. Suspension just isn't safe for larger bodies. 
And I think to myself, but pianos get moved. I'm not as heavy as a piano. Cars are moved. Entire ships are lifted out of dry docks and placed into the water. And you're going to fucking tell me that a human being can't be lifted. Bullshit. What these people are really saying when they say you can't be suspended because you're fat is I don't know how to suspend you. Therefore, I'm going to make this your fault. And much of the time, what they're also saying is, I don't like your body. I don't want to touch a fat body. And the thing is that most people have enough common sense to know that that sort of grossness puked on someone else will get their reputation sullied in the eyes of most people fairly quickly. So they want to make it the fault of the fat body. You know what? Because fat people don't have enough fucking dumped on our heads. We're not already fat because we're lazy and we eat too much, despite the fact that I've been in relationships with folks. Let me tell you, I dated a guy, the pizza guy. May he rest in peace. Yes, everyone in my life has a nickname. The pizza guy was about six foot four, just rail, just a lanky dude, maybe like 170, 180 pounds or something. Probably that's, yeah. So tall guy, slender. For several months, he and I ate precisely the same foods. We would, I was living at his house. We would get up in the morning, grab the same like handful of whatever run out of the door. I would frequently work through lunch because that's just my style. I'd go back over to his place after work. We'd make a nice dinner, have some snacks, fuck, go to bed. Now, he remained at precisely the same weight, never went to the gym, never worked out in the entire time. That we, and I think he went to the gym once. I think his friend dragged him to the gym maybe once. Whereas I put on a few pounds during the course of our relationship, which sidebar delighted him because there was nothing he loved more than a thick ass sister. This was this corn fed Southern boy too. My goodness, my goodness. Rest in peace. That's Whew, he losing him is a true, true loss. Anyway, I digress. The fact of the matter is we ate the same things and had the same lifestyle. I gained a couple pounds and maintained my weight over 200 pounds, whereas he did not. Why? Because human beings are different. I'm not going to go into the whole science of why some people are fat and some people are not. Suffice to say that genetics is the number one reason over and above diet and exercise and all of those things. And yet we still, as a society, are ready to cap and dump on everyone who doesn't look like us when they're fat. I think some of it is because there is so much pressure to appear a particular way that if you happen to luck into a body that does that anyway, you're going to want to feel superior to other people. I don't know. It's ugly. It's not nice. When I got to the King community, there was this really interesting dichotomy. There was on the one side, a great deal of size acceptance. I would go to the dungeon and see people who were maybe twice as heavy as I was, naked, fucking playing, doing all the things that just brought joy to their perverted, twisted little hearts. And that was wonderful. 
And at the same time, there were still the people across the dungeon who would sneer or make faces when they saw them. And I, I saw those folks and I thought, huh, okay, well, folks is folks and bad behavior is just bad behavior. But then when I started getting the the, the reality of the fact that there were people who would refuse to play with me because of my size. And on the one hand, it's easy to say, okay, fine, fuck you, motherfucker, you're the one missing out. And that's true, but it still hurts. Rejection still hurts. Most of us do feel at least a twinge when we're rejected. Of course, I'm grateful for the rejection in some ways because obviously I don't want to engage any further with someone who's a bigot because that's what that is. It's bigotry. But it pissed me off so much that I started opening my eyes to what was going on. And at the time, I was still logged into alt.com and bondage.com and those were the sites that we had for meeting other kinky folks. And I would see the pictures that people would post and they were all slender white women. Every bondage image was a slender white woman with the occasional slender Asian woman thrown in and the occasional slender black woman thrown in and the occasional ambiguous slender woman thrown in. But unless you went to some particular fetish site that catered to people who were into the BBW hotness, you were not going to see folks who looked like me tied up. And I started asking, I knew a couple of kink photographers, and I started getting really pissed off about this. I said, why aren't you photographing us? I laid this at their feet. And the first woman I spoke to said, she looked me dead in the eye and said, I would love to shoot you. Fuck, I would love to shoot more bodies of all sizes. She said, because for me, bodies are, are shapes that I'm working with in my art. And more shapes, the better. However, it's real hard to find fat bondage models. And I said, what do you mean? There's shit ton of fat people everywhere. She said, yeah, but they don't want to get naked in front of the camera. Most of the fat folks I know are too self-conscious to pose semi-naked. And it just brushed me back. And I was like, wow, wow. And I knew she had no reason to bullshit me. And as I started having these discussions in public fora, I realized that she was absolutely right. The first photo shoot that I, as a fat bondage model, fat fetish model, was for Stormy Leather, which I don't think even exists anymore. Amazing fetish clothing store in San Francisco. We had Stormy Leather. We had Madam S, which was the sister operation of Mr. S Leather. And God, they had some awesome shit. Stormy Leather had this amazing program where they would have people from the local community could be cast as models for their website and for their ads. And I was in there one day shopping and I saw they had a little flyer and I was like, hey, I'd love to do this. And they were like, great, we'd love to have you. So I was cast in a photo shoot and I showed up and had three different things I was going, four different things I was going to wear. It was a laced shut leather top, a leather kilt, like a V-neck sort of lace up leather thong thing, and then some other little leather bikini thing. And of those, I would get to keep one piece as my, as a, as my payment for modeling. And 
the first piece I put on was this one bodysuit thing with like leather straps on it and my fat's oozing out. And I'm like, okay, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. And I get out on the floor and I'm talking to the photographer and she's just this lovely little dark haired woman. And she puts me in a pose and we start shooting and keep in mind, please. I have been a professional model and performer since I was six years old. I've spent my entire life in front of a camera. I know how to fucking camera, okay? And yet somehow I was up there and I was like, just not hitting it. I thought maybe it was because they were making me wear high heel shoes and I suck at that. And it wasn't though. And I was trying so hard to get into the groove, just being my body and be relaxed and selling this bodysuit I was wearing. And at one point the photographer froze And suddenly her little eye peeked from behind her camera. And I'm like, okay, what the fuck is she doing? And then both eyes peeked from behind her camera. And then her little smile crept from behind her camera. And she looked at me and she said, you know, you look really amazing, right? And I started crying. And I was like, oh dear, oh my goodness. Oh Lord, so now the makeup is coming onto the set. And they're like, don't cry, it's okay. And I was like, "Uh I had not realized, even I, with all the bullshit swag I could muster, was still reading as shy and awkward in front of the camera. And this is the thing, if you genuinely are not feeling yourself, that shit is reflected in every frame that's captured of you. And so with this delightful photographer and her little peeks and smiles from behind the camera, eventually we got the shots that we needed. And to this day, they're some of my favorite photographs of myself. I should try to dig them out and see if I can find any of those. But it was transformational for me because I realized that this was actually work that I could do And I wanted to encourage other fat folks to do it too. So I decided to start talking to all the bondage photographers I could find, particularly the ones that didn't seem to have very much diversity in their portfolios, if you know what I mean. First person I approached said, well, you know, you're not really in my aesthetic, but thanks. And I said, I'm sorry, what does that mean exactly not in your aesthetic? Can you elaborate? They didn't write back. So I wrote again. I wrote several emails to this person and never heard back from them. I did hear back from them when I, I mentioned on a, obliquely on a chat room that he had never written back to me. And I didn't say who he was, but by not saying who he was and by talking about some of the images he created, people figured it out. And then he was pissed off because I put him on blast. And I was like, I didn't really put you on blast are you ashamed that your aesthetic doesn't include me? You're not, you don't care. So what's the prob, Bob? Yeah. Yeah. What was wonderful is that I did meet so many other photographers who not only wanted to photograph me, but were delighted and honored to do so, to work with me. And I'm so incredibly grateful to people like Michelle Surchuk and Don Sir, Charles Gatewood, uh, so many folks who reached back when I said, hey, you know what? I'd like to see more brown bodies. I'd like to see more bigger bodies. I'd like to see me. There's often so much 
lip service paid to diversity in these communities. And then people like, what can I do? What can I do? I said, well, you can create space for us. And one of the ways that you create space for us is to include us in your creative process when you are generating these materials. I just started my TikTok career a couple of months ago. And the very first video I posted right out of the gate is the one that still is has the highest number of views. And all it was, was me talking about the Prime Directive. And you can find the episode on that. Today I was on TikTok and saw some people talking about fat phobia in the scene. And the comments that they were talking about were the exact same level of bullshit that I was hearing two and a half decades ago. There has been no forward movement, which makes me sad. I feel like I did all this work and no one is being nice to fat people. What the fuck? The same, oh, you can't be tied because you're too fat. Oh, you know, what the hell? But until fat phobia is cured and we as a nation can let people live their fat lives without shame and humiliation, it's going to be in the scene as well. I just want to say this. If you are someone who runs a kink event, publishes a newsletter, has a website, has a store, Find the images of people that are more diverse. Find the fat people. Find the people with bodies that don't look like standard, out-of-the-gate, slender, quote-unquote, perfect white folks. Find folks of varying abilities. Find folks all over the map because you know what you do when you provide a diverse... God damn it. Really? I hate my phone. (laughs) Uh, Whatever. Find folks whose bodies reflect the amazing myriad of humanity that exists, because that means that those folks who see themselves and will feel, yes, there is a place for me, yeah? That's one of the first and easiest steps that you can take. I want to speak now to the submissives and bottoms and subs and folks who have had this type of poop pooped onto their heads. Fuck. And I cannot stress this enough. Those motherfuckers. This has nothing to do with your body. It has everything to do with their bias. It is not your responsibility to have to beg and scrape to have the same experiences as someone who's living in a body that's different to yours. Look for the riggers who know. Look for the riggers who know, and there are so many of them out there. Uplift their names. If you play with someone and you have a great time, you spread that fucking word with their consent, of course, that this is someone who knows what the hell they are doing because those folks are out there. Now, I do not live with severe disabilities, but the older I get, the more limited I am. And when I first came into the scene, I was doing all kinds of crazy shit that like I look back on and I'm like, ooh, ooh. One of the most common positions in um, the Japanese style of rope bondage is something called takatakote, which is basically when you take your arms 
and you put them behind your back and you tuck your forearms together so that like your left hand is grabbing your right elbow and your right hand is grabbing your left elbow and your arms form a nice little box behind your back. And then people like to use that as a base for types of bondage that have to go around the torso. It's a great way to support the body, all these things. However, After several years of doing this regularly, strenuously, I developed a shoulder problem. Kids, rope bondage is an extreme sport. Don't let any motherfucker tell you otherwise. I swear to God, warm up. And if shit is going wrong, say something. Don't grin and bear it because you're going to wind up like me talking about, oh, my shoulder, I got the lumbago. (laughs) Anyway. I had a a person I knew in the local scene who had been trying to play with me for a while. We didn't really have much of a connection in terms of DS or MS or play styles, but we were friends. And so eventually we're like, well, we should just do a scene. It'll be fun. And it turned out we were both going to be um, at an event. We were both presenting at this event and he was like, this is a good time for me. I was like, oh, this is a good time for me too. Let's do a scene. This will be fun. And we got to the dungeon and we're looking for a spot, looking for a spot, looking for precisely the right spot. You know how these some of these tops are. They need exactly the right spot. We get to the spot. He unpacks all of his shit that takes four fucking ever because gearhead. <laughs> some of these people with their gear, oh my God. But it's kind of like foreplay too to watch someone taking out all their stuff and laying it out knowing that they're going to use it on you soon, Yeah. So we get to uh, the point where I am down to my underwear. He is taking out the rope and running it over my skin. And then he starts to position me in this Takatakote arms behind the back thing. And I'm like, oh, hold on, yellow. I can't do that position. It's just not cool for my shoulder. And he stepped back, just stunned. And I'm like, "Uh, okay. And he's like, well, if I can't base this tie off Takatakote, I'm like, I can't tie you. And I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I, he's like, this is the basis of all ties. Like he goes, this is, this is like the, the root tie. Like if I can't do that, he's like, I don't. And I'm standing there thinking, are you fucking with me? I thought he was fucking with me at first, but he was dead ass serious. And so eventually I just wrapped it up and he was like, do you want to do something else? And I was like, uh, what else did you have in mind? He didn't have many ideas. By this point, I was done, so I just wandered back up to my room and went to sleep, which is how I spent most of my times at most conventions because, well, (laughs) I guess lots of reasons, but I never got as much play at these things as people assumed I was getting. But I was really crushed because I was like, I could have had a good time doing anything else with someone else and you killed my night and then didn't pick up anything else. It was like, there was a million other things you could, what? And this sort of clung to me for the rest of that weekend. And then uh, about a month or so later, I was at another event and ran into a friend of mine, this kid, this young upstart rigger. I was sitting at a table with him and his girlfriends and we were talking about whatever. And I related this incident because he's a rigger. And I was like, bro, hear me on this can you tie someone without starting from Takata Kote? And he blinked for a second and he was like, well, you can, yeah, but he goes, oh, and I, and I told him what had happened. And as I'm relaying this anecdote, he's getting more and more upset. And he's like, okay, you know what? I always just start with that, but that's a reflex. And 
that's how I learned it. But you, you can start with just, how about just the arms in front? How about just the arms in front? Why not that? He's like, yeah, I don't know why not that. I'm like, yeah. And if my arms are in front, tucked under my boobs, you got like big old titties on a shelf ready to go. And he's like, oh, well, who doesn't love titties on a shelf? I'm like, yeah, who doesn't? No one doesn't love titties on a shelf. Okay. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to figure out a way to get a really stable harness tie with the arms in front. And I'm like, you let me know when you do. And he did, of course, because people who want to do a thing will often fucking do it. (laughs) And so we ran into each other a couple months later at another convention. It was a very busy year. This was my title year, I think, when I was international Ms. Leather. And he said, I have a tie for you. I want to show it to you. And so we were like literally standing in a hallway between classes and he threw out some rope and like whoosh, 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 had me in a really basic, entirely comfortable and safe tie. And I was like, this is great. And he said, yeah. And I was talking to some other people who have mobility issues and they were saying that this tie would be so much more comfortable for them. And I'm like, good for you. See, this is, this is the lesson that folks need to learn. And I'm really glad to say that he's gone on to become a really fantastic rigger. And I have gone on to solidify my commitment to making sure that my body is treated with respect and that my comfort and my safety are paramount. And I just want to share for those of you who are living in fat bodies, who are trying to explore alternative sexuality, I wish I could promise you that you would find love and warmth and acceptance 100% when you come into the scene because you won't. But you will find the people who not only want to play with you, but who find your body the absolutely most delicious way a body can be. I've had partners who accepted my fatness. And then I've had partners who relished it, who sunk their fingers into the flesh of my belly, who were not afraid to get down between my incredibly thick legs and be smufflocated by fat as they enjoyed how I taste and smell. That, my friends, is far superior to someone who tolerates and accepts your body. Fat acceptance is great. I'm here for fat celebration, actually. I want you to celebrate my goddamn body because I'm living in here, okay? Here's the thing. I'm amazing. And this is the body in which I'm living, so be nice. And you fat people, be nice to yourselves as well. It's hard. We have an extra tough job. We're not represented well anywhere. And then when you come into alternative sexuality, woo, tough. Tough, tough, tough row to hoe. However, it is so worth it. If you are a kinky person and you can see the look on the face of your partner as they get you into that perfect position and then you start flying, wow. If that's an experience that you desire, you are entitled to have it and to be taken there by someone who loves and respects you. If your local community is having classes in bondage, get them to bring out someone who does a bondage for bigger bodies class. I know eight or 10 
fucking teachers, riggers who teach those sorts of classes. Get those people in your local community. And if you are a fat person who's not involved in King and BDSM and you're on the struggle bus because you don't feel sexy, uh, I'm not here holding space for you. Understand that your body as it is, is worthy of love and respect and joy. Holy crap, joy. Regardless of what shape your body is, it's your body and it's gorgeous and it should be celebrated. It's so funny. I had one scene once with someone who was playing with me and they admitted that I was actually on the skinny side of folks that they like to play with. And I was like, oh, I hope it's not too disappointing for you. And they said no, but they just loved having so much room to play. They loved that their partners had all the thighs in the world. (laughs) And so when one area started to get a little too sensitive, there was so much more room for them to move over and continue with their pleasures. So you see, who you are can be a source of joy and delight for you and for others regardless. And today, what I wish for you is if you can take a moment and just be with your body and feel how amazing it is and love it. That's just such a gorgeous feeling. Please keep in mind that this is a practice that I still have to do every day because I'll catch myself doing that same shit, judging my fat hilariously now because I'm like, well, I just wish this roll was just like a little poochier here and not there. Because <laughs> the human capacity for, well, not the human, my capacity for self-criticism is infinite, but I'm letting it go. And I invite you to do so as well. And I invite folks who love bodies regardless and invite folks who love fat bodies to celebrate us and to reach out to us and to remind us that we are fucking gorgeous. You've been listening to All That and Mo. Thanks so much for spending your precious, precious time with me today. My podcast is produced by Cody Crabb, theme music by Georg Friedrich Haas, as performed by Marcus Weiss. And I look forward to spending time with you again really soon. Mm-hmm.